0: Welcome to Back to the Futures the official podcast of the Futures League presented by 78 sports. I'm Owen Shadrick. welcome back to another episode here season six episode seven we've got Westfield Starfires manager Kyle Dembrowski on Major League Baseball opening day on Thursday March 30th. We're so excited to have professional baseball back after a great World Baseball Classic on this episode Kyle talks about his upcoming season in Westfield in 2023. How much of an honor it was to receive the manager position in 2022, his time at Framingham State, where he was a player Worcester State as a coach, and so much more. You don't want to miss this episode. We are continuing to support Pete Wilk with the link in our caption for Dig Into Pete bracelets. Uh, Look on Vermont Lake Monster social media for that. But for now, we want to get you to this interview with Kyle. So here is Westfield Star and Fire's manager, Kyle Dombrowski. We are honored to be joined by our next guest here on Back to the Futures. He is the manager of the Westfield Starfires and is looking forward to another season at Bullens Field. It's Kyle Dombrowski. Kyle, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, Owen. How are you? I'm doing well myself. And to get right started here, you've been with the Starfire since 2021. And before the 2022 season, you got the call and were named manager. What did it mean to you to, uh, after being an assistant coach for a year, now uh, being manager for the team? And this will be your second season.
1: Uh, I was extremely grateful to our whole uh, baseball operations group with Evan Morehouse, Chris Thompson, and Hunter Golden. Uh, really, honestly, just giving me a chance and um, allowing me the opportunity to go out and kind of prove it on my own. So, it was an awesome experience year one. And and you know that that phone call, um, I'm never going to forget that because that was uh, probably the first time I really felt like someone believed in me. Um, and you know, for someone that doesn't really have any kind of a resume put together uh for them to you know trust me with that opportunity and allow me to run with it wholeheartedly Um, I'm always going to be grateful for that
0: yeah and we're glad to have you in the manager circles in the futures league and and I gotta ask how did you feel coming out of your first season because as you said it was kind of your first season behind behind the reins for for a team
1: yeah so uh just like when you're uh when you're joining a new team for the first time you expect things to kind of speed up on you And to be honest with you, I just wanted to roll with the punches in the game. So I knew the game was going to speed up on me just as much as it did on all our guys as well. So honestly, just trying to prepare myself for any possible situation we might run into. Um, But you and I both know in baseball, things are going to happen that you didn't think were possible. So just kind of rolling with the punches in the moment, trying to slow the game down as much as I can and really just take the advice that I give to our guys.
0: Yeah, and you did make history in your first year as you were as Westfield made the playoffs for the first time in their history. What did it mean to you to be at the helm of that and and help them earn their first playoff berth as an organization?
1: Uh, honestly, I don't really feel like I was involved in that whatsoever. I mean, I couldn't go out and play the game, so that was all those guys going out and taking care of business every single day. So I definitely lost us some games, I can tell you that. But I'm really glad that uh, everyone on our roster was able to pick up the pieces a little bit and uh, and pick me up and carry us into the playoffs at the end of the year.
0: Well, you won the games that counted and you got the amount of wins it it took. So you got to give yourself a little credit there. A little bit. A little bit. And you've had some incredible hitters and obviously arms come through the organization, but one in particular was 2021 MVP Cole Bartles, who, and you were his hitting coach during that season. What did you see in him and, and what was it like to see him perform the way he did that summer?
1: So it's funny. I was actually uh, talking with someone about Cole yesterday and something that was awesome about having Cole that first year was I kind of learned as much from him as he might've for me. And and to be honest with you, I think I learned more from him than he did from me. So just to be able to work with a guy that was very diligent in his process every single day, kind of have some goals when he walked into the cage and make sure that he was accomplishing them before he walked out for the day. Um, Cause that was really the opportunity for him to get better and then, you know, go out in the game and go prove it now at this point. So Cole was awesome to work with. Um, He had a really cool story as well, going into Penn state as a PO and, you know, ended up transitioning to be a, a full-time outfielder for them towards the end of his career. So uh I, I just think it was awesome to watch him day in, day out really put in the work and, and see what the product of that was at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, it was an incredible season he put on, and it feel like every other game was it was multi-hits, it was multiple home runs. It was it was just a crazy season for him. Yeah, he was must-watch baseball. Indeed. And you said it, you train a number of these guys day in and day out. You worked for you work for a training facility. What's the best advice that you have for them as your coach, especially throughout the summer when these guys are coming in and may not exactly know who you are?
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the the number one thing that I want to get across to guys is, um, you know, we're getting in here for the first time as a group, we're not going to have much time to practice together beforehand. So same thing, there's going to be some mistakes made early, just roll with the punches and, and try and get through all nine innings. And we'll see what the score is at the end of the day. Um, you know, summer ball, it's a, it's a great opportunity for guys to get together and, especially those from different parts of the country getting to come together and, and meet different guys, have different experiences, get, um, you know, a little a bit of an immersion to different kinds of cultures as well. So that's really the cool thing that I think summer ball does that might be a little bit different than say your college season. Cause you're with guys for, for a four year span in a summer ball season, you could be with guys for 60 days and then never see them again. So it's really cool to see the relationships that you build enable or, you know, you're able to cultivate them throughout the rest of your life and, really have relationships with guys beyond the game of baseball uh, once you're all done playing. So that's really the biggest takeaway I want guys to have is A, have a good experience, B, get better, and C, develop relationships that will be longstanding.
0: Yeah, and you know, we always talk about it, the Futures League and these Summer Baseball Leagues are all about developing your craft, but when these guys come in and they have genuine relationships with the other guys in the in the dugout and on the other side of the field, it it makes that much of a difference at the end of the day when these championships come across the table or they're making the playoffs for the first time like you guys did this year stuff like that it just it makes it mean even more yeah
2: hold on we'll get right back to back to the futures but first we want to share a message from our friends at 78 sports do you have kids playing baseball or softball we all know practice time is limited especially here in new england not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home our friends at 78 sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y the number eight sports.com for a limited time only by just mentioning back to the futures you'll receive a 10 percent discount off your order that's s-e-v-e-n-t-y number eight sports.com now back to your regularly scheduled programming
0: i've talked about it with a few guys on this podcast about ownership and from the top down how important it is to have ownership connected to the team what does it mean to have someone like ct who seems to be every other day it's He's on a news network. He's in an article talking about the Starfires and how much he wants them to mean and how much they do mean to the community of Westfield.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, CT is the heart and soul of the organization. Um, that's the the beautiful thing about having a, a small organization is that, he's going to have a hand in everything in one way or another. And he does a great job of kind of driving the vision of the team and the organization as a whole. So it's been awesome to work hand in hand with CT um, both on the baseball side and then kind of behind the scenes as well. I'm starting to immerse myself a little bit more in that. So it's been really awesome just to learn from him as much as I possibly can. He's a guy that's been in professional sports and, and been just been in sports for a really long time. So he's a great resource. Any question I have, he's the first guy I go to and nine times out of 10, he's going to have an answer for me right away on that one time he doesn't. Hey, you know what? I'll go look it up for you. I'll get right back on it. So he's he's been awesome to work with in every which way possible.
0: Yeah, CT, a great guy. We've had him on this podcast before. And one thing that he mentions all the time is how he wants Westfield to be connected to the community and the community to be such an important part about what they're trying to build at Bowens Field. Mm-hmm. So kind of a two-part question. One, how important do you think that is? And number two, how have you felt that the Starfires have been able to accomplish that, especially last season? when they were doing these promotions and continue to do the promotions with the breweries and like the comp- especially the local companies there in uh, in western mass
1: yeah so you know small business is the backbone of america it's 99 percent of businesses in the world are small business so we get to be a, a great kind of champion for that as well in westfield so we get to kind of put a face to some of the other small businesses around you know you you come to our park come to bolins field and you'll see end to end in the outfield we have a bunch of different advertisements and they're all local places so we really want to make a foothold in westfield and establish a relationship both with business owners and then as well with the community itself whether that's through youth baseball organizations or some other youth sporting organizations it's just really a great opportunity for us to establish relationships with uh, you know community stakeholders and then from there get to watch those guys grow up that came to our baseball camps when they were 8 9 10 years old and Hopefully one day they get to wear a Starfire's uniform and really represent Westfield.
0: Yeah, that's what it's all about right there. Couldn't have said it better myself. And you mentioned Hunter Golden earlier. He's a big part of the roster construction, but I'm curious how much say you have in that, especially with that in the fact that you're going out and coaching these guys for the entire summer. And how much are you kind of looking at guys while you're at school and while coaching at these schools and working at your facility?
1: Yeah. So that's the the great thing is my experience has allowed me to kind of see some local guys, uh, especially this year up in, in Ashland. But last year being in Louisville, it just exposed me to how much D three baseball uh the the talent level is rising across the board. So um, you know, we actually ended up playing against Webster last year. And one guy in particular, Alec Elgis, was a star fire the year before. So it was awesome in 2021 to see him uh mow down hitters, but I can tell you when we saw him on the other side and he was on the mound facing our hitters, it was a little bit of a different feeling. So, um, you know, ultimately it just goes to show you the talent level across the board.
0: Yeah. And then you talk about that talent. I'm curious if there's anyone as the rosters are starting to get constructed for a preview of guys that fans should look out for, or people you're excited to have on the, on the team this season.
1: Yeah. So I'm excited for us to have a few returners as well. Uh, Jackson Haker, he ended up having a, a great run for us at the end of the season last year. I ended up bringing him in as a temp towards the end of the year, and uh, being a guy that plays at AIC, he was kind of a natural fit for us. And um, if you see right now, he's he's lighting up the scoreboard. So just hoping for for him to continue his success right now, build upon that, and then I'm really really excited to get him back uh for this summer. So just one guy, but I, I mean I, I could go on for hours and hours with that roster. We got a few returning guys that. Uh, I'm really excited about getting to work with again. And then, you know, uh, a much wider roster of some new faces that, again, I'm really excited to get in and, and see what we got this year.
0: Yeah, it's always fun to see returners back, but we're excited for the new faces as well here during the 2023 season. And I want to ask as a manager for a summer baseball team, obviously there's restrictions that get put on some of these guys that are coming in from colleges. Cause somebody, I forget who said it on this pod, but college coaches are always watching. And always, always lurking, it seems like in the back yep. door. But how do you go about managing those guys when some of those restrictions are are put on them during the uh, during the summer?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely a balancing act of ultimately putting the team ahead of every individual. Um, but at the same time, you got to understand that these guys are coming from four year programs where their coaches have a lot of faith put into some of these guys, and you know, it's really my responsibility not to screw them up and, and not to send them back damaged. So. Uh, really, it's just having trust in my staff and and having trust in all the guys that um, step on the mound for us every single day. Just having an open line of communication. Uh, you know, are you good today? Are you bad today? If you need another day, that's why we got plenty of guys in this roster. So um, that's the one thing that I'm sure every manager and GM has to deal with at some point or another is that roster turnover. So ultimately, it just comes down to having good lines of communication with the guys and trying to manage their workload as much as I can just to avoid that uncomfortable conversation once the fall rolls around.
0: And I'm glad you mentioned your staff because that goes perfectly into my next question, which is you have a big say in building your coaching staff. How important do you believe it is to have a coaching staff that is connected on the same page and has chemistry every day when they walk into the ballpark?
1: Yeah, it's the same thing for kind of guys on a field. Those that play with a little bit of team chemistry typically are going to have a lot more fun when they win. Um, And, you know, they'll be able to take the lumps a little bit better. So it ultimately comes down to having a, a really good group of guys around you. So um, I'm really excited for the staff that we're building right now. Uh, one guy that we are bringing back is Joe Bonamante. Uh Coach JB was with us in 2021, and uh, both of us actually were assistants that year. So it'll be really fun to get him back. He's over at Williams right now. So uh, another another guy out in Western Mass already. So definitely excited to get to work with JB again this year.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that you were an assistant in 2021 to Tony Deschler, who ended up leaving Westfield. But I just want to talk about what was his his influence on you and how did he kind of prepare you for this managerial role in 2022 and now this season?
1: Luckily enough, Desch is uh, probably right at the top of my speed dial right now. So we talk pretty frequently. Uh, he's down at Salve right now having a blast with the boys. So um, he's been a great resource for me, both on field and off. Uh He's, he's done a lot of the same stuff I did. I'm I'm just a little further behind him right now on the timeline. So he's been a great resource in terms of anytime I feel a little sped up or anything like that, I can give him a call, shoot him a text or whatever. And, and he's got the answer for me. So he's been a great resource for me above all. And I'm just really grateful for the relationship. I was able to build with him that first year. Um, And, you know, to see the relationships he was cultivating with all the different managers in the league. um, You know, it's really great for me to kind of build upon those now uh, having that little connective tissue there with Dash of, of being able just to just to meet everybody and kind of build that bridge from there.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And every Starfire I've, I've had on this podcast, I've asked about it. I'm, you're no different. Bolin's magic, it's real. It's so important. I just want to kind of get your your favorite Bolin's magic moment in your two years with the Starfires.
1: How much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, Bolin's magic is very, very, very real. Um, ultimately, it, it's. You can't describe it, can't really see it, It's just a thing. It it exists for sure, though. You can really feel the energy in Bolins when we start getting a rally going, the fans start to get into it. and It's not like the fans are a mile away. They are right on top of you. So uh, good, bad, or indifferent, they're going to let you know (laughs) either way what the result was. Um, But they're great. I mean, the the fans really help drive the energy in that ballpark too. It's a really intimate place. It's a great feeling. Uh, It's ultimately what summer ball is about. Uh, and, you know, I think my favorite moment probably had to have been, uh, our biggest, um, attendance of the year last year against Brockton on a Friday night, we were trailing most of the game and, uh, you know, Jackson, Jackson, uh, Hornung ends up <laughs> sending a ball to, it felt like Canada way over the fence. And, uh, you know, it felt like the most inevitable home run of the year. Uh, and he had plenty of those. So it was just an awesome moment. And then Dan Burnett ended up with a walk off right up the middle. Great time. Great time for some Bowling's magic right there.
0: Yeah, I mentioned Bartles earlier, and I got to ask about Jackson Hornung, and he he was incredible last season, as many of your hitters were, but what 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 did you see in him that just, that made him so special as a hitter?
1: The compete factor. I mean, he's, he's not going to give you one pitch off. He's going to compete every single pitch, every single at-bat, and at the end of the year, if you look at the amount of at-bats he gave away, I guarantee it was probably less than two. He was locked in pitch one to pitch 100. I mean, every single pitch, he was absolutely the most competitive guy on the field, and he didn't care if you knew it he's not exactly the uh the loudest guy but you know not a very mellow guy either he, he can get the energy up when you need it but above all he was just a a big pillar of everything this year both defensively offensively working with our pitching staff um so he was definitely where uh, where all our energy came from this year
0: yeah he was he was incredible last year for the Starfires, and and it showed at the end of the year when those stats came through for sure Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Bat Company. Rob Zorian started the company, Zorian Bat Company, in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Little League all the way up to the Majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond, and after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, zorianbats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. And transitioning now into your background, you spent a year as an assistant at Spalding University in Kentucky. How did you land in that position and what was it like to coach there?
1: Yeah, so uh, lucky enough for me, uh, Dirk Baker over at Worcester State gave me the opportunity to come volunteer for him in uh, in the 2020-2021 season. So I'm always going to be grateful for him for that. That was my first first real opportunity uh, on the coaching side of things. So I was able to build upon that for the year and ended up uh, applying and interviewing with Spalding for that graduate assistantship. So it was a great opportunity last year. I was able to work with hitters and catchers, which is, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's my bread and butter by any means, but it's where I feel most comfortable working with guys. And they had a really talented group of guys that made it just an awesome experience for me and really, really happy to walk in every single day, getting the chance to work with, you know, 35, 40 guys that all truly wanted to be there and get better.
0: Yeah, and you just mentioned that your your coaching started at Worcester State. As you said, it was a great year for you to get your feet wet. And it was right in Western Mass, so even better there. Uh, What was it like to coach there?
1: It was awesome. I mean, only took me probably 35 minutes right down the pike every single day. And, uh, you know, Worcester is is great. It's centrally located throughout New England where we could go recruit anywhere, you know, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Connecticut, Rhode Island, everything's about two hours away. So it was a great location for us to be able to recruit from. Um, and, you know, you see their facilities there. They're pretty top of the end with the MASCAC schools. So Uh, Me, I played at Framingham State. And to be honest with you, the Framingham State facilities compared to the Worcester State facilities from a baseball perspective, they're a little bit different ends of the spectrum there. And, you know, Worcester just does a really great job of providing their athletes with um, the facilities they need, the locker room space, the weights, all that. So it was just awesome to see those guys get able to get in every single day and accomplish what they needed to.
0: Yeah, that's great. And, you know, we've talked about facilities all the time, especially around the Futures League and giving guys that opportunity to have those facilities readily available is so important. For sure. And you mentioned that you attended Framingham State and you were a catcher for four years there. How did they shape who you are today as a baseball mind and before as a baseball player?
1: Uh, Without playing at Framingham State, I am absolutely not talking to you today. So Uh, I had an opportunity to go play football at Framingham State funny enough and ended up trying out for the baseball team instead baseball has always been my first love and um, honestly I've never looked back since so it's the best decision I've ever made uh, both personally and professionally funny enough. Um, But you know without that opportunity at Framingham State really having to go in and earn it every single day just to earn that roster spot on a division three team might not sound like a lot to some guys but uh, to me it was everything so to be able to build upon that and just see where my career is taken off from there. It's, it's really cool just to step back and and look back where I came from every now and then.
0: So that's awesome. You got recruited as a football player and then we're like, Oh, I'll just try out for baseball. See what happens.
1: Something like that. Yeah. I was a little, little bit of a heavier guy uh, coming out of high school. So had to, had to watch what I eat a little bit, go run on the treadmill a little bit more, but everything it all worked out. So
0: yeah, it all worked out. And here we are talking on a futures league podcast, doing it up.
1: No place I'd rather be.
0: So you had quite the career at Framingham state, but as a player and now as a coach, what was some advice that you were given by maybe some coaches or even, even other players there that helped you when you experienced your first coaching gig at Worcester state?
1: Yeah. uh, Honestly, one of the biggest pieces of advice, I don't even know if I'd call it advice, but more just of a a mindset is whether you have a good or bad career, ultimately it's your fault. So um, you're kind of a product of your decisions and if you choose to try and get better every single day, you might not notice it one day to the next, but over the course of your four-year career, you're going to see significant improvement. And, you know, if you kind of mail it in every single day, go through the motions, take one day off here and there, again, you might not notice it over one day to the next, but over the course of that four years, you can kind of look back and see, damn, I left a lot on the table and I could have been a lot better than I was. So it's funny because, you know, honestly, I look back now and, Yeah, sure. When I was playing, I might have told you I was a hard worker, but uh, I mean, compared to my kind of work ethic today, I'd like to think I'm a hard worker now. Um, But again, that just comes with kind of growing up and and seeing how you got to be throughout the rest of your life. So um, again, whether you have a good or bad career, it's your fault. And I think that can translate uh, outside the baseball field, too, because ultimately we're we're just trying to teach guys about the life itself. And, you know, baseball is our tool to do it. So. As much as I can just help these guys grow, uh, both as people and as players, I want to do it.
0: Yeah, that's. I don't know who taught you that advice, but that's great.
1: That was actually uh, Matt Gedman's older brother, Mike, my uh, first go. college coach.
0: Yeah, that's great advice from, from a Futures League last name right there. Oh, yeah. And as a former catcher and now as a coach, what is the most important thing that you teach these young guys about not only hitting, but fielding and stepping behind the plate and, and catching these these pitches, especially in summer ball, where they're probably meeting them for the first time as they're going up and handing them the baseball?
1: Yeah, so the Futures League does a great job of providing guys with opportunities. And the way I kind of see a summer season for a lot of these players, it's the closest thing they're going to get to an internship for professional baseball. Most of the guys in this league, uh, you know, they're in it for a couple different reasons. And let's be honest, probably number one is they want to play pro ball one day. So we got to try and mimic those opportunities for them as much as we possibly can and give them those opportunities to go out and flourish. So for them, again, it's whether you have a good or bad career or for this part, a good or bad season, it's going to be your fault. So uh, the Futures League does a great job providing these guys with an opportunity to go out and treat it like an internship. Uh, so that being said, the number one advice I'm going to give to these guys that I definitely had said till I was blue in the mouth last year was to just slow the game down again. It's the number one advice I would probably give to myself at any moment too. And the game can speed up on you, especially when you're, you know, dealing with higher talented guys and, uh, you know, especially guys that you haven't worked with before. So pitches are probably going to have a little bit more break, a little bit more bite, be a little bit harder than you might be used to. Um, so that being said, just try and slow the game down as much as you can live in the moment and just win that pitch.
0: Yeah, and I'm curious, another kind of catcher question here. When you were at school and growing up, did you ever call your own games or was that mostly a manager thing? How did you kind of deal with that between, like, was some managers different?
1: Yeah, uh, most of the time I was able to call my own game. Uh, A lot of the coaches that I had, they had a very similar philosophy of, I've already played. you got to go out and play the game on your own. So, yeah, you're going to make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. Mistakes can be something that we learn from, though, so. There's kind of winners and there's learners. It there might not be such thing as a loser. If you lose, you just learn from it. So um, ultimately, it's just being able to learn from your experiences.
0: Do you call games as a manager for Westfield or do you let the catcher do that?
1: No, I will never call a game for Westfield. So to the other seven managers, you're welcome. Um, but no, I'll never call a game. Uh, if anything, if a catcher wants to look at me for a pitch call here and there, yeah, we'll help him out. Um, but again, I can't go out and play anymore. This is the time for guys to go out and win lose learn whatever it is it's it's their time to shine so i don't want to take anything away from these guys on the field all i want to do is be able to provide a little bit more value for them so uh you know ultimately it's just up to them to go out and do it
0: yeah i feel like that's definitely important especially for these catchers growing up to call their own game and kind of have their own voice because i know sometimes in high school it's more like they're looking over at the pitching or pitching coach all the time to to call the game but I've, does a manager have a big say in that or is that kind of just like I'm curious do some of them call do some of them like do call the games um most most of
1: the time uh you'll see the pitching coach doing that but okay uh, I think it's really just dependent upon who you got running the team just personal philosophy
0: yeah that makes sense and we talked about it earlier but the relationship between pitcher and catcher how important was that to you when you were a catcher and how do you preach that you said you like to slow down game obviously but how do you preach that to these guys um, about pitcher-catcher relationship and just kind of trusting one another.
1: So catchers ultimately have to be the most unselfish guy on the field. Um, They can go 0 for 4 with 4 Ks, but if their pitcher has a good day, that should be a celebrated day as a catcher. Uh, You know, servant leadership is such a big thing in the catching community, and I think it's very important uh, because we can't really care about, from a catching perspective, if we have a good or bad day. All we need to worry about is making that pitcher better every single pitch and then at the end of the day you look up at the box score and hopefully you got more runs on the board than they do so as long as you keep your pitcher in the game and make sure that he understands him and the catcher are working as a team all day then there should be nothing but uh, good things that come out of that again it's going to be a learning opportunity for guys if things go wrong but pitchers got to understand the catcher's there for them and the catcher's got to understand again they're ultimately there as a servant leader they have to serve the pitcher
0: yeah, for sure. And and I feel like that's super important in the Futures League where it's like, again, you're meeting these guys sometimes five minutes before you're throwing on a, on the mound for a 9 inning game. Yep. And it's like, just trust just trust one another. Just do what he says.
1: L- Luckily, the one thing every single guy has in common when they step onto the field is the game of baseball. So uh, even if there's a language barrier, for example, we still have that that game in common. So there's a lot of things that, again, the game can speed up. But at the end of the day, we're all in it together and we're all going through this at the same time. We all have baseball in common. So it's one thing that, again, these guys come from different schools. They don't know anybody from a hole in the wall day one, but they still have something in common, whether or not they realize.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's it's so true. So obviously the off season has been long, but we're finally back to baseball. The WBC was epic and it is major league opening day when we're releasing this episode. How are you, how excited are you to see the professionals getting back on the field and you guys obviously in college are getting back on the field and, and baseball is in full swing right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, opening day is, um, it it feels just like a national holiday to me. It means that spring is right around the corner. Uh, Obviously these guys are starting sooner and sooner and sooner every single year so it's funny to see that games are starting in March now when they count um you know growing up it felt like opening day wasn't until April 8th 9th 10th somewhere around there so they're moving that season up but for me that means they get to watch more baseball early so I'm very excited uh for opening day and just very excited to see what happens with Boston this year but you know the league itself is in a pretty good state talent wise so I'm very excited to see what happens across the board
0: yeah, it's going to be a great season, and and I am also hoping for the best for the Red Sox. So, so there you go. That's that's what we need right there. Yep. And just a general question about this summer: What are you looking forward to most about season two, with you behind the uh, rains in Westfield?
1: Honestly, I'm just looking forward to getting back to Bowlands and seeing that place full. So. I've been down a little bit uh, the past few months, just checking it out and doing a couple things with CT. So it's funny to see right now it's a football field. We don't have any advertisements on the outfield fence and uh, right field doesn't exist right now. So looks a little bit different. Uh, but that being said, I'm really, really excited to get back there and see what she's going to look like when she's game ready. Um, but you know, just the fans coming back in and being able to to see those guys every single day again. So as much as I can recognize the players every single day, it's still important to have that relationship with our fans and, uh, you know, really make sure that we're representing the community and the team as best as we possibly can whenever we're interacting with them.
0: Yeah, it is almost Bullins magic time here in 2023. And final question here for you, what is your favorite all-time baseball memory? I know you've got a lot to choose from, and it'll be tough to narrow it down, but Favorite all-time baseball memory? Uh,
1: Easily. Last year at Spalding University, um, one of our freshmen, I think he only had four or five at-bats on the year, Whit Callahan. Uh, He was one guy that would absolutely torch me in batting practice every single day. I'd throw it up and in on him, and he'd just tomahawk it down the left field line. So uh, he ended up getting an AB. Uh, One game last year, we were up pretty sizable, so we ended up throwing him in and a few other guys, let them go get a few ABs. Uh, and I ended up looking at a couple of my catchers, told them, hey, Witt's going deep right here. So inning starts, I run out to the coaching box at first. First pitch of the inning, Wit sent way over the left field fence. So, you know, moment he hits that, my hands are in the air. I'm losing my mind, pointing at the dugout. So definitely a moment I'm never going to forget.
0: That's awesome. And it's so good to see. It. And you called it. So there you go. Even better. Yeah. All right, Kyle Dombrowski, manager of the Westfield Starfires. Thank you so much for joining me today. Best of luck with everything, and we look forward to seeing you on the the field very soon here.
1: Thanks, Owen. We'll see you soon.
0: Of course. And this has been Season 6, Episode 7 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Thursday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon. we mm-hmm.